Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. I've known you probably for about 20 years. Yeah, some. Um, this is Paul Clark, dear friend and just a servant of the Lord. You've traveled all over the world, sung everywhere, written songs, albums, everything. And you, but what's really great about Paul is that the person that you see here is the person that you see everywhere. And he, he really, to me, is someone that has always exhibited the real walk in the Lord and someone that really believes it and lives it. And uh, we're just so honored to have you here today and uh, just bless the congregation. Paul Clark, everyone. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Such a joy to be here this morning and seeing Dave. Uh, you and I have a lot of shenanigans over our past. And uh, before I move on, I'm going to my wife, Heidi, sitting down here next to my favorite rebel friends, Kenny and Paula Riley. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to play a few songs, and David and I are going to do. He said, just take the whole service. You can preach and stuff. I said, why don't you interview me? Let's, let's dig into some topics that are, you know, like hot spots today that we can uh, focus on and share. And so, anyway, praise the Lord. So. It's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. Light in my eyes, a crystalline morning is dawning in my room. Hands to the skies, my heart is feasting on bread and the butter of your word. So clean and so pure, you are with me, that's for sure. My Lord, this day I'll live for you. Breakfast in bed, my heart is feasting on the bread and the butter of your word. Now that I'm fed, I'm ready to give out the treasures that I've heard. So use me this day, so others can say, good, good morning, my Lord, this day. Yeah, I was going to say, thank you, Kenny, for speaking the truth there. It's dry out here. Okay.
The more I go on with the Lord, I find that I cannot afford to stay away from His side. It's in the vine I'll abide. His words are truth and life to me. They cleanse and sanctify me. I know His power can't be denied. It's in the vine I'll abide. A child of God, I know I am. I've been washing the precious blood of the Lamb. Haven't touched the hole in his side, but in the vine I'll abide. Ooh, oh, oh, you are my savior, my God. You are my king. You're the Lord of everything. Oh, Jesus, I will abide. To bring forth fruit, this is my aim. And give the glory, the glory to your name. To do the same, you must decide. If in the vine, you'll abide. To do the same, you must decide if in the vine you'll abide. Oh, you'll abide. You'll abide. Jesus is the vine. Amen. Well, since I'm in New Mexico, I got to play harmonica. Every hippie has a harmonica, so I've been playing these songs a lot. If you're, you know, churches in the area, I played this song the other night. But I'm going to play it again this morning because I love it. And it's a song I wrote in flight from Albuquerque to Kansas City. We serve an amazing God. And uh, Dave and I are going to talk on some topics this morning that I think are relevant to times we're living in, uh, the way we have to approach the landing strip, and also the way we take off in our daily life and the impact that we make on others. Uh, because we're in a war right now. You may not know that, but we're in a war. <clears throat> and um, the really comforting thing, which we've been talking a lot about, is that we serve this amazing God that is so much bigger than our myopic viewpoint. We're always trying to shrink God down to this thing. <laughs> Just, we're always trying to get him down to where we can control him, understand him, and sort of um, be co-partners with him. And that's a wonderful thing to think of being co-laborers with the Lord, but he is 
clearly in control and in charge. Read Psalm 19, his voice goes from point to point. There's not a place in this earth, in this universe, where his voice is not heard. And uh, I'm constantly amazed, I know after 51 years of uh, following Jesus, uh, that every day I'm just amazed more and more by his power, his beauty, and his uniqueness, his ability to express himself in so many different ways. So um, years ago, I was flying home from uh, Albuquerque, and I was flying over Western Kansas. I saw all these squares and circles. They all look the same, but I noticed inside of them, they were all different. And looking out here this morning, I don't see anybody really matches each other. You all look different. Uh, you're different ages, different everything about you. And it's sort of a metaphor of the way God is. He's expressed in so many different ways. Don't ever box him in. He's too beautiful. The Lord is so beautiful. So, amen. I've never seen a street river Flowing from the land or the sea Up and down and all around God's finger seems to carve them all with ease So why do some people and some preachers on TV Try to sell the world that God's so straight in need I've never seen a square mountain, no, no, rising from the coast or the plains, up and down and all around. God's finger never carves them all the same. So why do some people and some preachers on TV try to sell the world that God's so straight and neat? Will the sun, the sky every morning Will it never look the same from day to day Oh, could this be a lesson or a warning The power of our God cannot be tamed Beyond every star in creation And beyond every thought that man could dream Oh, it takes divine imagination To build a plan for man to be redeemed He's the star of his creation In that garden he took a spill So he sent his son to die on Calvary's hill All dried out. Unbelievable. I've never seen a crooked sinner. <laughs> they could be forgiven from his shame. Up and down and all around. God's finger. Carve my heart with Jesus' name Cause I'm a crooked sinner Saved by grace and mercy His word has come His truth has set me free 
word has come, his truth has set me free. I've never seen a straight river, no, no. Man, what a drag. Okay, now it's working a little bit. That was disappointing. Anyway, I'll give you a full refund on your tie this morning. Thank you. Well, you've been really good at that. <laughs> My well, marker you... <laughs> went dry. Hey, I'm telling you, all the newfangled th ways for things to go wrong, I can't believe the harmonica <laughs> went wrong. You always trust Every week. Well, before you sing again, I'd like to just kind of talk to you a little bit and have you share with people, because what we need from time to time, and especially I would say now, is perspective. And one thing that you have is you've, you have perspective in that you were at the beginning of what is called a Jesus movement and music, and you've been all over the world uh, numerous times. And so I think you can, we can gain some perspective. Before we do, we, we have to check with the source first. Uh -oh. uh, here's what Wikipedia says about uh -oh. you. <laughs> Wikipedia, the <laughs> source. Um, Paul Clark is recognized as one of the founding fathers of the Jesus movement and contemporary Christian music industry. His songs became one of the first signs of the growing Jesus movement in the early 70s. Tell us a little bit about that climate. Wow. Well, as I said last service, uh, one of the things that, that I tell people today, people, you know, there's a lot of movement right now, a lot of action happening in our world, as you're aware of, and uh, people are always praying for another Jesus movement, another outpouring revival. Oh, I see uh, you. For COVID. Um, I was going to say, yeah, that COVID, was like um, uh, about a year and a half six ago, months my ago. hair went white and my guitar got bigger and uh, things changed. So that was me at 18 years old, 1970, uh, living on the front porch of a little log cabin in Bertham Falls. I had just left Kansas. I'm from Kansas, but uh, I, had a, I was an unlicensed pharmaceutical representative. Let's see, the, see the following. I was an unlicensed pharmaceutical representative, and uh, my businesses were uh, no longer needed in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, the town was on fire. Uh, so anyway, I moved to Colorado, and, and uh, you know, a lot of times people talk about the Jesus movement being in Southern California, which was, it got all the press, obviously. But one thing I learned about the climate that Dave just asked me about, I have met people who literally all over this world have the same testimony as me. I was living in Colorado in the middle of nowhere, a little log cabin 10,000 feet up in, in the middle of Colorado in the Continental Divide. But I've met people in South Africa, Austria, you know, China, I mean, wherever. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the globe. I'll call that Jesus Movement 1.0. So right now, people are looking for 2.0. It's not going to happen. The reason why I say that, and that I'm not uh, being authoritarian when I say that, uh, God doesn't, that's all I'm saying, straight river, even though the harmonica malfunction. He doesn't do things, you know, a new improved version of it, like laundry detergent. That's not who God is. Jesus had one Sermon on the Mount. He had one, one woman at the well, one Zacchaeus in the tree. He's not a person that has to replicate himself all the time. He's trying to make himself effective. And uh, I've been to several, you know, these incredible worship rallies we have now outside and kind of rebellion and stuff. 
And people come to me as a, as a veteran, and they'll say, isn't this cool, just like the Jesus movement? I say, no, it's not. I say, because back then, one, one day there wasn't anything, and the next day there was. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and everything changed. It changed the landscape, something you can never imagine in your mind. So why am I still doing this 51 years later? Because I long anticipate to see the new thing that God's going to do. I mean, something we've never seen, smelled, tasted, even experienced before. God said, I will shake everything to be shaken on heaven and on earth. So get ready. He's going to do that, you know. We're living in an amazing time. But it was, just to reflect a little bit, it was an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want to emphasize the Holy Spirit this morning. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is what changed my life. I'd grown to a Lutheran church and heard the Word of God, went through catechism and all that. But the person, the Holy Spirit, is who I encountered that really led me into a relationship with Jesus and showed me the Father. I was living in that little log cabin, and um, the way it kind of happened is I went down every Saturday to this post office in Empire, Colorado to get a Swanson's Beef TV dinner. Remember those, Kenny? Wow. Yeah, that was high living. Wow. We had no appliances, so I'd take my little aluminum foil dinner and just toss it in the fire pit and turn it over four or five times so it was all black and, and eat it, you know. But we also went down there to look for our draft notices because the draft was in full steam ahead. And when you're 18 years old, uh, you're fearful of going to Vietnam because they're taking people like, you know, just cattle carn them there. And uh, so we were fearful. But um, I was raised to be a Marine and a lawyer. My father was an attorney. My grandfather served the Marines in World War I, got shot. My dad served the Marines in World War II, got shot. When I was 10 years old, my, my dad my father took me to the base of Iwo Jima statue in Washington, D.C. at that famous flag-raising statue and said, you will be a Marine. Well, it didn't happen. I was <laughs> not really fit for service from my uh, own pharmaceutical, being a client of my own business. Uh, I didn't work out well. I weighed 108 pounds and I was string beam. Uh, from overdoses and all kinds of stuff. So, but I got thrown to another war, Dave, and that was a culture war that we're in right now. The culture war in the late 60s was the hippies, anti-everything, anti-establishment, anti-Vietnam, anti-anti-anti-anti. I was just anti-everything. And um, what happened was that I found out there was a spirit then called the spirit of Antichrist. And in my day, back then, Jesus was still kind of cool. He was accepted as a prophet or a great man or a teacher, you know, humanitarian. But today, we face a different challenge. And I'm going to draw on that as we talk further and get back to this point. And that is that uh, we're living in a time where we're not trying to get, be against Jesus, anti-Jesus. We're trying to remove Jesus, replace him. That's what the spirit of Antichrist is, is to get him out of the way, cancel Jesus completely. But guess what? I'm going to read you a quick verse, if you don't mind. Uh, is that a Bible? To, yeah, this is a Bible. Okay, good. Okay, Fine. good. Yeah, well, actually, this is from, uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> Reader's Digest, no. This is from Psalm 2. This, this verse to me is just the heartbeat of my life right now. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Boy, if there's any time right now you can see people plotting vain things, it's now. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. I'm not just the kings, but the culture kings. They're counseling together, doing everything they can. It says, against the Lord and his anointed, Jesus is the anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. That is a, a picture of the late 60s, 
It's a picture of right now. People are trying to shove God out of the way. I remember when I was a little boy, the day that uh, prayer in school was ended in public school. One, you know, I always had the Pledge of Allegiance, always had prayer, started our school day. One day we just announced, we're not having it anymore. I was like, hmm, that's strange. And something changed in the culture. Things began to erode. And you look at things now, it's the same thing. People are raging. They're, they're, they're changing things. Their you know, deception is, is on the loose. The spirit of Antichrist is on the loose. But that means this. I have waited 50 years for this day to come because I long to see the return of the Lord. I long to see the battle. You know, I, for the last service, I talked about the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where the guys are looking at the Shekinah glory and their eyeballs melt, their heads blew up. You know? I, I want to see that. I want to. Well, that yeah, sounds kind not, of rude. Not in this service. Yeah, not, not this service. Like we'll wait till maybe a couple of weeks. Are there but, any Nazis here? Yeah, so. <laughs> but the verse 5, and I'll leave it at this. Or verse 4. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. The Lord's going to have the last word. That's the point I'm trying to make. You know, we can do our parts. We're in a war here, and uh, we've got to be soldiers in his army. The very first song I wrote on that front porch uh, from the uh, – I didn't finish that story, actually. My grandma sent me a box of chocolate chip cookies, and the next week she sent me another box. And they're full of books about the gospel. There's the first book on top of Screw Tape Letters, Peace with God by Billy Graham, Imitation of Christ, Thomas Akempis, just, just a stack of books. But there's a testimony in there that really affected my life and made me, uh, I guess, compelled. The next morning I woke up and walked to my front porch and I wrote a song called Make Me a Soldier of Your Army. And from that standpoint on, I wanted to be a soldier in God's army. And I also drew upon my father's training. He trained me not just, he took me to baseball games and football games, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Royals. But he's also trained me to be attorney. It was, his goal was to be Clark and Clark. You know, he wanted his son to be partner with him. But one of the things he taught me right from the get-go was to train your witness to stick to the story. And that's, that's what every defense attorney has to focus on. He gets a client to stick to the story because a plaintiff will always try to throw the story off and down rabbit holes and get you off balance and make you look bad so the jury can accuse you and indict you and sentence you. That's what Satan tries to do. He tries to sentence you. And right now, he is trying to disable everyone in this room and everyone on this earth. He wants to disable us from testifying. Revelation 12, 11 says, They, the believers, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of testimony. They love not their lives and death. Brothers and sisters, hold fast to those three truths. If you lose one of those, you'll be like a three-legged stool. You will fall over. You've got to stick to those three things. Revelation 12, 11. So today you have a lot of uh, young people who were going through what you were going through in that time, and a lot of upheaval, things changing. Uh, what would you say to those who are questioning faith or have friends that are and are wondering, you know, is this just some kind of antiquated thing that my parents are doing and everything that they're doing is out of fashion? Excellent question and, and observation. As I've already mentioned, you know, we live in a time where people have identity problems. They don't know, some of these young kids, they don't really know who they are. They're being fed uh, information that is not biblical, obviously, but, but it's so twisted and so perverted. I mean, just the fact, you can go back through history and just see how much Satan hates babies. Why is there always baby killings? 
Why is there always would inherit? Why, why, why through history has always been have little children and and uh, been involved and murdered and, and destroyed? Well, quite simply because they represent God's reproduction, His beauty, and uh, so today in the younger culture, people are confused about who they are, where they fit in, because they've been taught so much destruction in their thinking of who they are. That's one of the first things that when I came to Christ in that little log cabin was I, I knew who I was. I was God's son. I was his child. And, uh, you know, no matter how old you are in the Lord, you're still God's child. You're still, you're not above reproof or correction. And in the world today, Kids, they don't have reproof or correction. They don't have fathers. They don't have homes. Their homes are broken up. They're, they, have, they don't know what they, what they really belong to. And there's nothing more satisfying than being in the family of God and truly having friends that you love and you're shoulder to shoulder with. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, warfare. People get hurt. And then sometimes they're off the field and they come back, you know, and, and we're, we're, we're constantly moving. But today, these young people, I feel sorry for me. I look at even my grandkids. i got seven grandkids. I look at them and go, wow, what a world you're growing up in. You know, it's amazing. The things they're going to face that I know are going to happen, I can see they got to face it, and they're unequipped. So I just want to challenge everybody here this morning. If you're an older person in Christ, look for somebody to mentor and help them be equipped. They're going to need it. They need the tools. And back to the same thing again, you need the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is dunamis for power. We get our word dynamite from our dynamic. You know, look at Peter. Totally denies Jesus, and a few weeks later, he's standing up amongst the, the world leaders, basically, and proclaiming the gospel in power beyond his own abilities. Okay, that was really awesome and spiritual. Now, let's shift. Okay, you, you've been around, you've played with a lot of folks, written so many songs and albums, but uh, you've played with, like, Phil Keggy, even recently up in Colorado, last week. Yeah, last week. Amy Grant, Keith Green, but tell us about the time you met Ringo. <laughs> Kenny, you like this. Here's a story. Yeah, so uh, the, the way I got into music was really simple. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, I watched, like every kid, we watched like Ricky Nelson and all those kind of TV shows where they were rock, pop idols. But uh, when the Beatles came along, it was an invasion. It was literally called the British Invasion. It was an invasion. It just completely crushed our culture. And uh, <clears throat> I also liked the Stones. I thought that Not Fade Away was like still one of my favorite songs. But uh, <clears throat> uh, I saw the Beatles live in Kansas City, 1964, Road J, C-8, saw my ticket stub. And I'm about maybe 30 feet from the stage. And as I was saying in the last service, James, uh, John Lennon was like James Dean with the guitar. Paul McCartney was like a choir boy. George Harris was kind of mysterious and vibing in the middle. But Ringo back there was just this bigger-than-life, smiling, laughing, joyful guy. And even just drumming, the way he was drumming, just, just leaving it to the left. It looked, everything was different. I'd never seen it before. But it was his joy and his happiness that really inspired me. So I went out and bought a black Oyster Pearl Ludwig drum set, just like Ringo's, and just started practicing in my bedroom because the more I played the drums, the happier I got. And by the time I was 15 years old in 1966, I was playing in bands uh, with my peers, but also playing with other musicians that were over 21 who played in bars, that meant alcohol, that meant I was a minor. So on the breaks, I couldn't stay in the bar. I had to go out in the car for 15 minutes. And as I often say in my testimony, a lot of worse things happened in the car than ever would have happened in the bar, you know. So, but, so moving fast forward, uh, through time, the music industry is actually small. 
if you're in it long enough, you meet everybody I've met, Sting and blah, blah, and whatever. That's not the point. 50 years and four days later from the time I saw the Beatles, I had a chance to, to meet Ringo and sit down and talk to them and stuff for a while. And uh, I was crying. And he looked at me and says, I didn't mean to make you cry, bloke. And I'm like, you know, I said, I'm crying here because I'm totally overcome with gratitude. I said, you made me happy back in the Beatles days. You gave me purpose to get into music and play drums. But I said, I had six years of hell until I met Jesus. And for the last four plus decades, he's given me joy. And I'm so full of joy to be sitting here today talking to you and thinking of how this journey, every day I get up and be able, I get the joy of playing music and telling people about Jesus. And that is, is amazing. So that was, that was the way I sort of like met him and then re-met him. And uh, it, it affected my life because I was full of gratitude. I wasn't worshiping Ringo or anything like that. I was just blown away of how I could have never imagined in 1970 that the Lord would take me on this journey I've been on. You know, he's, he's an amazing giver, an amazing equipper. And I just want to once again reiterate, if you will die to yourself and open your heart to the Holy Spirit, he will use you. You will have the opportunity to do things that your heart never imagined before. And you'll be so joyful and so satisfied by it. Right. It's a time for courage. It's a time Absolutely. to be brave and stand up and say what you believe in. Because when times are hard and the times that you want to shrink away and say, oh, I, I don't want to get in trouble, that's when you need to stand up the most. And that seems to be a part of your life, and uh, you've taken that everywhere you've gone. Well, the first song I wrote that on that front porch of that um, cabin was a song called Make Me Soldier of Your Army. And it was so simple. I mean, it's like a... Oh, Lord, I'm down on my knees. Three chords, just like Christian music. Anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they throw a four in every now and then. But, um, but it was just so simple, you know? And I listened to my first albums. I, like, shriek and go, oh, man, I'm sharp there. I did, you know, I, I was, I'd only been playing guitar for four months. But it didn't matter because the Holy Spirit anointed that little box in my voice and help change a generation. I mean, there wasn't contemporary Christian music. If there was anything I wish I could change, Dave, yeah. is somebody never would have used the word contemporary Christian music. Jesus' music is music from Jesus. <laughs> contemporary, that's, that's, a, that's a terrible hip word of all the hip words you could ever design. It's not oh, contemporary. It's so contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, my mom was an interior decorator and designer, and contemporary, I know, is a, is a genre. But when I think of Jesus, I don't think of him being contemporary. <laughs> he is from age to age, you know, so. Hey, would you do me a favor? What's that? Do us all a favor. Would you sing, uh, yeah. sing again? I'm good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to retune my guitar and tell a little story. I was talking to a couple of guys in your worship team. Uh, they're guitar guys, and one of them's into woodology, like I am. Uh, some guys struggle with pornography. I struggle with woodography. Uh, my friend Bruce Petros had made this guitar. Uh, back in 1973, he asked a girl on a date. They went on a date. They had no money. They ended up going to a free concert they saw on a poster on a college campus. It was a free Paul Clark concert. It uh, influenced them to follow Christ. Thirty years later, I found myself uh, singing in a church in Wisconsin, and the pastor said, hey, after church today, we're going to go to this guy's house. He builds guitars, and he wants really, really wants to show you his guitars. But he's not here this morning because uh, he was flown down to Chicago for the Simon and Garfunkel 
concert last night. Paul Simon has some of his guitars. I like, whoa, not the Paul Simon, not the senator from Illinois. <laughs> but um, so long story short, I went out there and met Bruce Petrus, who made this beautiful guitar. But uh, he appreciated the fact that uh, my faith, my, my music had influenced their faith 30 years earlier. He and his wife were married, and, and long story short, they wanted to build a guitar for me. I said, well, if we're going to do it, we've got to tell a story. So the first guitar we built was uh, one called Crown of Thorns. It was a Crown of Thorns from the sound hole. has a Greek word, Tetelestai, and it's different woods than this. This guitar was actually more uh, special in some respects because we both went searching for woods. To make a long story short, this top, if I can move it around, it's highly figured. It's a beautiful guitar. I don't know if you can see it or not. But this side here, without getting distracted too much, used to face here. This was cut in half and flipped over. That's called book matching, so the flame matches. And this top, I'll just shorten this story by talking about this top. This top was um, the California Department of Transportation. I think it was doing construction in that particular area of Arizona, I mean, Oregon and California. They're peering down, and they started harvesting a bunch of buried, you know, ancient redwood. This top came out of a log that was about 3,000 years old, I think. Uh, but, you know, you think about the fact that this used to be king of the forest. But when it was pulled up out of that Mendocino River, it couldn't, it had moss in the bark, it had been de-rooted, de-branched, but it couldn't have branches screwed back into it and go on, put it on top of the hill and say, okay, be king of the forest again. It had to be repurposed, revoiced, and that's the way we are in Christ. We're constantly needing to be revoiced and repurposed. You don't stay the same. Life does not allow you the luxury of staying the same. So what I'm going to do right now is just uh, kind of have a little fun. I'm going to change four of these six strings. Any guitar players here this morning besides Kenny? <laughs> okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the B string, move it up one step, the C, and to match that, I'm going to take the low E and go down two steps. Now I've changed two strings. One went up, one went down. I'm going to take the A string and go down to G. So it's going to step. Take care of that one. And the top E string is going down to D. So now I've changed 66 and two-thirds percent of this guitar as a whole different tuning. If I play the last song straight over, Okay, so what do I have to do? I've got to compensate and adjust my knowledge and my wisdom to know where those notes go to now to get not only the same sounds, but new sounds and expands the sound. There's, guitar is a very limited instrument. On, on piano, you can play cluster chords. On guitar, you can't because notes are next to each other on the same string. So by going down and up, I can actually create like an A minor 9. <laughs> that I can't normally play in standard tuning. Now, that's probably boring most of you thinking, okay, please, enough music theory. But the point I want to make in this metaphor is that God, once again, in his infinite ability to express himself, can, exp can take a different language, if you want to call it that. For now, just, just one string, I can play a C chord, but I can also get voices and things that I could never play. So constantly trying to invent and grow. And that's what we want to do as Christians, is constantly allowing God to adjust us and change. I, all I did was simply change the anxiety on that string. There was one string had a lot more tension, and I released it.
one string was loose, I raised it up. So there's, you know, in our lives today, we have a lot of anxiety, a lot of tensions. But let me tell you, in the midst of all the anxiety and tension, you may hear voices saying, failure, 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 failure. But it's not. It's not failure. It's change. And change squeezes out of us more of Jesus. Because we're being changed from glory to glory. Amen? Can I have an amen to that? Amen. So this is a song called Gray Sky Blue. There's a cold, dry wind from the northern plains trying to peel the topsoil off of my heart again in an old farmhouse with a bed and a chair. I sit by the firelight and I pray this prayer. I'm waiting for you. Oh, through the sash and pains, with the broken view, I scan this horizon in my search for you. There's a tumbleweed caught out in the fence. It reminds me of my worthless self-defense. My Lord, I'm waiting for you. Oh, long are the shadows I cast in my youth. The deeper the shade of them all. Oh, yeah. Wise a fairy forgiveness, the truth under a gray sky of blue. My heart is waiting, waiting for you. Time and space will dissolve in the eyes of your Savior's face. Oh, my Lord, I'm waiting for you. Oh, long are the shadows I cast in my youth. The deeper the shade of them all, all wide the period forgiveness the truth. Under a gray sky of blue, my hope is forever in you. Oh, under a gray sky blue, my heart is waiting, waiting for you. Waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you. My heart is waiting. 
Since the second service, I can cheat a little bit on the time clock. I'm going to change one more string here. Make it altogether different. Brothers, sisters, love one another. Without love, we're nothing. Nothing is a pretty simple word to understand. No one wants to be nothing. And when the love of Jesus moves in your heart, there's something. And we live in a time where people are bankrupt with love. It breaks my heart. Even as I sit here today and just think of how much has changed in the last year and a half, two years. The thing that breaks my heart the most, though, and I've been in this town a long time. I've come and gone from this town for decades. And I've spent the last several days going around different pieces of town to find friends that used to all do this and then it's fractured. The ability to be injured so easily. We're so fragile. And um, then I'm so thankful to be loved by God. I'm so thankful to receive his love in full measure. He has rationed it out. He gives it in full measure. So I want to encourage you to love one another. It's the most important thing. There's some people who love in my life. People brought Heidi and Jonathan, the Bentleys and the Rileys. I mean, just, I can just start looking through the congregation. Susan, just his faithfulness. Dave, his faithfulness to give us love. Why we continually slam people's fingers in the car door is amazing to me because we've been given love so give love so a little simple song I want to close with been said after all has been done after all breaking dawns after all setting sun after every bloom after every leaf falls down after all love after all love After all have been born After all you love died After all who remain After all have left your side After every bloom After every leaf after all, all, all 
Understood, let it go. If you've done evil for good, let it go. If you've carried regrets, buried secrets of shame, then let it go. After all you can hear After all you can touch After all disappears After every bloom After every leaf falls down After all love after all, oh, love, 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 love. After all, love. Amen. Thank you, Paul. What you do, bro? That was awesome. Love you too. Well, there has to be an end to all things. It's just the beginning of the lunch hour, so it's not terrible. But thank you so much for being here. Thank for serving the Lord. And uh, man, it's just an honor to have you here today and to see your heart. You are always a blessing. Thank, thank you, you so much. Honor thank you. All right. Would you please stand? Hey. If, if, if you want to give your life to the Lord today, if you need to confess your sins and get things right with Him, we'll be up after the service and love to pray with you. Just get it right. You're at church. This is what you do, and we'd love to pray, pray for you and help you get to where you need to be. And uh, Paul will also be up here. But with that said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper and give you peace. And may your feet be prepared with the gospel to share with everyone with courage and with conviction and love. Thanks for coming. See you next week. Thanks so much. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.